Can a marriage survive infidelity? We dig deep to explore this thorny question. Join me, Jean-Claude Chalmet, and founder of The Place Retreats and a featured columnist for The Times, with Amy Cooper and Louise Daniels, on The Place Retreats podcast. Search Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite Android app. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Welcome to your next episode with me, Amy. And I'm Louise. So hi, Danusha. It's great to have you on. Oh, hi. It's really lovely to be here. Of course, you're here to talk about your book, which is called Noise, A Manifesto Modernising Motherhood, which is a great title, by the way. Um, And we'll hear all about that in a minute. But first, um, I'll just explain why you are extremely qualified to write it um, on a few levels. So first of all, uh, Danusha has 10 children um, of all ages, ranging from triplets of eight to fully grown up kids. So that's 10. Let that let that sink in for a minute. And you're also um, uh, an entrepreneur. You're an academic who's done a lot of theory about the way people behave around leadership um, and how that works in business. And you help leaders in big business lead from a humane perspective. Is that right? Yeah, that's a good yeah. way of putting it. Good. Yeah. And you're also a podcast host yourself. Um, so, I mean, like uh, yeah, m- much bigger podcast than, than ours. You've got two highly acclaimed podcasts, School for Mothers and School for Fathers. Um, and so, uh, you know, this it feels like this book is, is a long overdue part of a bigger conversation that, that you've been having for a while. Um, and in the book, you talk about struggling to write it initially and finding your own undiluted voice. And I love the analogy that you make, um, describing it as you described it as when you're when you're wanting to be sick, and then when the time is right, there's no stopping the splurge of whatever must come out. Uh, so, can you explain what the book is and how and why you came to to write it? Well, after that incredible introduction, well, I like you are myself. incredible. <laughs> a bit much really <laughs> but thanks that's all so, right so um well yeah that that kind of i i got to the stage where i had so much backed up material and it and it reminds me of being it, it did remind me of being kind of having a uh, too much alcohol I actually don't drink anymore but but mm. I still remember when uh, I'd have too much of some kind of spirit which oh, I yeah. don't agree with <laughs> at all you know <laughs> yeah, I will never touch tequila or oh. uh, just anything like that that just sears up because mm. there's so much of it it's a, it's a force and and actually even though this isn't like vomiting, it's not a vomit. It's a much more measured. <laughs> oh idea. yeah, of course it is. Yes, but but the fact is, after decades of of raising children, hearing the same kind of enduring points that kept coming up and up and up, and 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 you know keep getting mentioned by other people, um, there's conferences about them, mm. you know, and just just they never seem to die away. These points and. Even though I'd actually also been approached to write a different kind of book, which would be the much more, well, I don't know whether it's palatable, but it would be the lighter kind of how do you juggle with with children and have a career type book. Mm. And that's in me. I can write that. Uh, But I couldn't write that before I wrote this I had mm. to write these about you had these to get this out almost, oh I did I, I did yes and so so it, it was a force and mm. and I also had to be ready myself 
Mm. And I really, really wanted to write this book. I was, I was readying when the triplets, bef- when I was having them, and um, and and then the very real practical mm. <laughs> thing of actually looking after triplets. And I'm also, you know, in my company, and and it's not like I shelved that. And so I, or had actually, being more blunt, had the opportunity to shelve my company and and to stay at home. Mm. Um, it would have been a luxury for me, actually, to raise the, the triplets and the others without working. But I didn't have that. So I, I mean, I can hear a tiny violin in the background. <laughs> <laughs> you know, hang on, slightly off key there. Um, <laughs> but, but, you know, the fact is, I, I had to wait until it was fully gestated in me. And then it was, and then it just poured. It mm. just came. Mm. And I, And my real mission was that, that because because I was hearing these enduring myths, this noise around motherhood, I wanted to I wanted to say, you know, if we think about it as noise and we see it as noise, let let's take a look if we see it through that lens. What do mm. we get if we see it from there? Mm. That's what it was. Mm. And like you say, it's absolutely not a how can I juggle work and a career kind of book. I mean, it's interesting that we talk a lot on this podcast about, um, you know. What what are you know what what do women want and what do women need and normally it's men at a publishing um, company it sat around a table deciding that so yeah. they they've obviously decided that's that's what that demographic wants but as you say it's not that um, and I love the way that um, you know you, you're moving that conversation forward without normalising that unsatisfactory version of what motherhood is that most of us are fed from from the get go and I I actually love the format um, you've got this sort of uh, format where each chapter is laid out in in the three sections you've got the um hearing the noise uh, that's where you obviously mine your own experiences to identify uh the issue um and then exploring that where you're unpacking writing and research experiences uh, and then questioning the noise at the end of each chapter so i, I love that format it works really well yeah. i just feel as it yeah for each each chapter it's like yeah understanding you know because you know what the noise is around each thing and then mm. exploring it and then the questions you because yeah, you're not saying to someone this is what you do but asking the right questions is well that's that's the thing so mm. what we generally have is we have kind of more practical workbooky here's a workbook for you playbook mm. whatever we want to mm. call it you know you're going to get active and so that's that genre of a book. Then we have a memoir that takes you through the journey of a life, and that's beautiful too. And then, and then we have a, a, a maybe more heavyweight kind of research-based. Here's all the evidence that we mm. pull together, and 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 you know, there you go. Here's the argument of why life's like it is. Mm. And and so it was a big ask. Why I said, well, I don't know really, was because of course I know. It's that I looked at it and I was like, well, really. What I want to pull off is all of it mm. in one little pink Bible of mother- motherhood, mm. like this manifesto without even telling women what to do. No, that is heretical. That's like yeah. it's in itself is is really quite difficult to do mm. because we are trained as women to want a recipe and a formula. Mm. And I'm not out of that, <laughs> you know. I'm, I am as as inculcated in that as anybody. So I was like, no, okay. What's the formula that I could follow? Mm. <laughs> and I was like, no, Denise, you don't do that. Mm. I don't want to follow the formula that's out there. I want to go with what, what is. It's not doing something differently for the sake of it. It's. What does this book need? Mm. What does this book need? Not what Danusha needs. Mm. What do I need to do to make this book work for getting this out there? And that's why it's that hybrid, uh, you know, so it's nice mm. to hear that the format worked for the two of you. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I mean, haven't had it, anyone that said it's awful yet. I'm <laughs> sure I will. Oh, gosh, no. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I really liked that that format, and it's very, um, it, yeah, it's that mix of like sort of evidence based theoretical stuff, I suppose, and also it's relatable because there's a bit of your own stuff in there, and it's it's funny as well, and very exploring, not preachy. Um, you also refer in the book, and and, and it, it sort of really jumped out at me the the mother stopper culture. That's that sort of dialogue. Who are the mother stoppers? Well, there are a whole series of mother stoppers in society, and it's a it's a cultural kind of embedded mechanism that 
that works towards, you know, stopping mothers and mm. they can be within ourselves. You know, mm. it's the beliefs that we've taken on, which are clearly the six pillars that I that I work mm, through. Yeah. You know, and it can be our family. It's the beliefs they tell us that then we we take on and they uphold. We it, it can be a societal one and wherever we're located, and this was one of the challenges, I'm a white educated middle class woman who's obviously um, by virtue of that um, gained quite a lot of access. And so my lens comes from that. And so I had to stand and go, okay, my mm. version isn't my version isn't the truth at all. Mm. And so the mother stopper for me would be quite naturally publishers have come to me to say, could you look at this children versus career thing? But that isn't that that central debate is really a very white debate. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Yeah. And so even in that, I would have been complicit in in kind of going along with that. Yeah. Obviously, that's what complicit mm. means. But, you know, that, that going along with children and career debate. Mm. And I didn't want to do that. So when we look when we look at what mother stops us in mm. the mother stopper culture, I mean, I know what mine are. It's not a universal experience, I suppose. It's so, not is a it? universal no. experience mm. at all. So the mother stoppers are different for wherever you're structurally located. So I was just, uh, for instance, in a conversation on my School for Mothers podcast with Mars Lord, mm. birth activist. She's just been on the uh, maternity, black maternity scandal. Yeah. Uh, Channel 4 documentary. Uh, she's a doula. She was on our podcast a little while ago as well. Yeah, she, yeah. She's yeah. great. Well, I'm an antenatal teacher, so I knew, ah, and a doula, yes. so I knew Miles yes. you know, for years. But yeah, yeah, so. Isn't she great? And, yeah, and she's so, fabulous, yeah. You know, if I were to ask, if I were to ask Mars, because the mm. focus wasn't on mother stoppers, but if I were to, oh, she would come out with... You know, her versions would be so mm. different. Yeah, her experiences and instances would not match mine in their entirety. We might have some crossovers. Mm. But, they're, you know, so that's one of the challenges of writing about a mother-stopping culture. Mm. But I do know that it that there is a mother-stopper culture. It's yes. just that, that setting out with, and here's the 10 aspects of it. You know, mm. go check, tick. Mm. <laughs> no, mm. that would no. be bullshit. So, mm. actually, I should have asked whether I can say that kind of. Oh word. no, that's fine. Yeah, <laughs> oh god, no, we're very Barely sweary. Never so good by without. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so so that's that's why it's a general framework for. Mm. Here's what we have. You might think it's you individually failing. Mm. Oh, it's not you individually failing. No, as a woman or a mother. No, it's a collective experience yeah. that actually will be within that experience different. Mm. But believe me, it's it's a systemic mother yeah. stopping. Yeah. And I think you do it you do it really well in the book. That sort of putting uh, each sort of reflection or consideration back on the individual mother who's reading it what does it mean mean to you do you do you, do you see mm -hmm. yeah of course you know see what i mean because you read the book <laughs> <laughs> oh, i'm ever so do you understand anusha <laughs> is that what's in your book anusha uh, um, no, i guess you can never you know you 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 like you say you birthed this book mm. and you don't know how it's going to be received from the other end and and obviously having read it you can't po like it, it yeah so it, it must be interesting to get this like the 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 feedback that you're getting from it generally because you it, when was it published? It was published on the thirtieth of March. So right. So you're kind you of know. in. You're in. You're in the sort of first waves of getting it out there, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. yeah absolutely. And mm. and uh, it, it's it's you know women are loving it, mm. loving it. Actually, quite a few men are uh, are reading it, which yes. is really yes. interesting. Yeah. 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 So that's nice. And those external noises that you talk about, they like they kind of like settle inside us, and they feed like our own internal noise which i think you mentioned you know, uh, just now and that um uh, and and feed that negative dialogue that so much of us use on ourselves and you explain in the book how that negative internal noise falls into one of four very recognizable categories can you just explain what those categories are oh what a vile question oh is it sorry <laughs> Says she flipping through the book. <laughs> so it's, it's it's there are four levels, and it's it's within that you've got personalising. So we blame ourselves when things go wrong. Mm. So 
polarizing we see things only as good or bad there's no gray areas there's no room for middle ground magnifying it so we kind of focus in and <laughs> on negativity mm. and we dismiss anything good or positive mm. yeah and then there's catastrophizing, which I don't like saying that word because it's actually quite difficult to say. <laughs> and yeah, <laughs> that's partly why it was a vile question. <laughs> and <laughs> you always expect the very worst possible outcome for yes, yourself. Of course. So those those are the categories. So we can look at all noise, whether it's the external noise, because I make a difference between external noise, you know, from out there in society. So things like, well, of course. Once you become a mother, that's your career over. Mm. Or mm. it's career or family. Or, um, well, of course, you've got to become a stay-at-home mother. Or, indeed, with different different uh, locations or structural locations or whatever, or racial locations, whatever we want to describe it as, it will be, well, of course, your work. If mm. we take work in, yeah, I mean, there's no, you know, mm. you, you just will. Mm. Um, that's the external. Internal is when we've taken it into ourselves and, and we take it in as a truth. It becomes yeah. a truth for us. It's like, well, mm. you know, you, you, everybody gets baby brain, don't they? They're a bit mm. silly when they've had a child. Well, Maybe after a year, you, uh, you know, you might get your brain back. Mm. I, I know women who have 10-year-olds mm. who say, oh, my baby brain has been... <laughs> has been it's been a long time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it's not that first year. Mm. And so you internalize it as if it's a truth. And you can even with that find out within the internalized version, you know, how we deploy those personalizing, uh, polarizing, magnifying. So there, within that, it's getting to know how you use noise, how you personally not how others do but how you mm. the way that you kind of um what's the word navigate noise mm. yeah yeah mm. and then there's the other one which is how do we add to the noise and that one took me a while to come to because right. we don't we don't just kind of hear noise this this uh, this stuff that's out there and have it in us we we then have a choice what we do with it so when yeah. i if i sit when that woman says to me oh you know my 10 year old never quite been the same as the baby brain i could then say oh yeah yeah i'm like that mm. and i could add to the noise yeah right. i can i can contribute to it um or i can say something else can't i, I don't have to add to it mm. there are other ways that i mean you know, there are so many instances of when we add to the noise. Mm. It's just sim something as simple as, are you, I, I guess, I guess you're giving up your job then. Yeah. Or I guess you don't, I guess you w won't, now you're pregnant, you won't want to go any tra on any business travel. Uh, right. You know, I, I suppose, you know, drinking that glass of wine, I mean, that's a very controversial one mm -hmm. um i'm not suggesting lots of drinking by the way but <laughs> but of course not but but nevertheless kind of me inflicting my internalized noise on others mm. and, and that's uh, what we all do of course yeah we do. But, uh, and uh, we need to recognize that don't we and then i yeah i suppose do something about it and sort of recognize that those you know those negative um voices that yeah that we're that we're hearing um but well, we, I think yes, we won't know if they're they're there unless mm. we, you know, mm. it's we have to kind of interrogate them, but playfully. Mm. I mean, like we've all got this in us. Oh yeah, you no, know? mm. of course we have. Yeah, no, I'm no. also thinking about some um, conversations that I've had with uh, women, sort of sat on a park bench when my kids were sort of four and five, and you just all you're all in a bit of a blur aren't you so I'm thinking of things that I, like you just said then about going back to work I think maybe sometimes I might have asked that just to make conversation do you know what I mean yes. not not intending to trigger anything or, or start those cogs mm. whirring in that woman's mind it, it, it's more just a oh, oh I'm socially awkward and this is weird because we're, we're just mothers chatting on a bench but you're just making conversation but you're so right I guess it's really interesting to hear your perce uh, perceptive sort of an insightful way of, of looking at motherhood. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. 
So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Can I ask you if you have you had therapy sort of over the years? I'm a great believer in therapy, and mm. yes, I have. I have not only trained as a counsellor, oh, oh wow, counsellor, but actually, uh, I yeah, I I seriously think counselling therapy is brilliant. Yeah. And yes, yes, I have, and certainly, certainly wanted to at different parts of my my life wanted to make sure that I was kind of more at peace with my own motherhood story so mm. one of the, the things that could be I guess it could have come could have been more obvious um, is if I had had a, a really unresolved um, uh, conflicting relationship to my mother's and and as you know I, I have two mothers and I mentioned both in the book and mm-hmm. and I think if I hadn't been in therapy and spent uh, actually a very lot of intentional time uh, not not in order to write this I haven't been to therapy maybe I need to but I, I haven't <laughs> been for quite some time mm. um, but I, I know that if I hadn't I mm. wouldn't have been as settled in myself mm. about my own relationship to my mother's and for that, I'm really grateful to some quite patient therapists, actually. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. all therapists are very yes. patient, let's yeah. be honest. Apart from the one that I went to see once in East London, who was actually eating a bacon sandwich, Danusha, from a no. paper bag under his chair, whilst also looking at his watch. I do a bit about it in my in my stand-up routine where I'm kind of like, listen, because like, I've just got these like white privileged middle-class problems. And you finish your bacon sandwich, honestly. It's fine. I'm fine. I'm good. Don't worry about me. But yeah, so no, you're right. The vast majority... But th- that's just one little uh, story of somebody who clearly well, shouldn't no. have been counselling. <laughs> well, no, clearly that 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 guy shouldn't have been. And there is one in Whitstable. I will say, <laughs> let's for call a shout out, out. All the terrible counsellors <laughs> yes. who actually, when I went to see her, said that will be. Yeah, I think that was probably the last time. Actually, now that's telling. Um, she, I, I regaled some things as you do in the kind of con- first consultation I regaled some things that I'd like to just delve into yeah. a bit more you know here's the things that are surfacing for me done some work considerable work on motherhood before um, really would like to now I think it's probably another time because they do surface again mm. as we all we, we know that mm. um, and by the <laughs> by three quarters of the way in she started crying oh oh now, now <gasps> this is not what you do as a professional. No. You clearly know that. And because I'd also have my own training, I was like, now listen, <sighs> just to let you know, it's nowhere near as bad as you appear to feel it. She's like, no, but this is such a really traumatic thing. I was like, no, no, seriously, do oh. you see me being traumatised? I'm coming to you. To yeah. us. And it was just I can I can talk about it because it is funny, but actually, mm. oh god, you're you're talk you're, you're counselling her at that point. Well, it was a complete reversal. <laughs> yes. So I ended up looking after the therapist, and and I clearly didn't take her on as my therapist. Oh, but funny. but it, it so yeah. 
I mean, they're, they're mostly good. I think this could be a whole podcast, Anusha. Um, like, uh, brilliant and terrible counselling stories. Because, I mean, there, I've had some amazing breakthroughs in, in when I've had sessions. And then, yes, like you say, other times where it, it, if it wasn't so fucking expensive and, and hard work and traumatic for me to emotionally mine this, this would be funny. Um, but, yeah. <laughs> there has to be a way to integrate this. And I love your creative idea. I would do stand-up or a podcast on it. She yeah. does, both. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I know, I'm exactly. Midlifecrisis.com. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, so look, can we talk about mother's guilt uh, now and, you know, the constant choices that we make around other people's needs and our own... Um, ambitions um you know you're quite assured in your in the knowledge that no one else is more important to you than you are to yourself and you sort of say that in your book and i think you (laughs) you wrote a letter you wrote a letter to your children in which you said you know something along along those those lines as well and i think we don't need to have um uh, you know all of this sort of you know but but I do love my children, you know, crap, that women feel necessary to preempt these kind of discussions with. It's unnecessary and I think probably adding, you know, to the noise. So, mm-hmm. yeah, you love your kids. We all do. That's a given. Shut up about it. Um, you know, but uh, other women, you know, so the impression also that I get from the book as regards partner relationships is that you've been able to recognise when they're not they're not serving you well and, you know, you've kind of moved on and you're very certain in that knowledge that you're not, responsible for everybody else's um, happiness but other women often don't seem to be what what are your thoughts you know around around all of that well that's a lot yeah <laughs> I rambled on a bit there <laughs> that was a lot where would you like me to start so you know just like about I suppose that mother's guilt thing you know and that the, you know the choices that that, that that we're making and our mother's sort of not appreciating not understanding that actually you surely to do the best job you can be it in work or being a mother you 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 can't just be putting everyone else ahead of yourself can you well we're we're socialized as Mm. as young girls to look at the other so we're other focused and therefore that that always means that whenever we're looking at ourselves we can be shamed for it and the sad thing about that is is that there's you know, to be to have this constant spectra of being shamed and punished for actually caring about ourselves means that one, we've spawned an incredible self-care industry of bubble baths and prosecco, which is <laughs> harmful. But but nevertheless, more more sad is that we have to try and look after ourselves and care about who we are after everybody else, and that that just means that we we set ourselves up for a life of deep. Guilt. Now, for, for women, it's guilt. Um, men, in my research, it's much more shame, although guilt does feature. But nevertheless, there is a kind of a difference between men and women on this, mostly, is that there is a kind of um, tacit agreement societally that men can be themselves. No, I don't mean that they're perfect as themselves. I just mean that they get to be yeah. uh, Dave or mm. Paul you know rather than the role that they're playing in order to serve other people Mm. so once you've served other people you get to you but the problem is is that we never finish serving others because the job of serving others is so big it's always you know it's it's like catering for others with food well they it's lovely isn't it when it's on the plate but they keep eating it mm. so, so you know like back to square one gonna make it's, like, pa- it's like painting the fourth bridge isn't it yes. you know you're like no sooner have you finished it, the laundry the food the yes. uh, the school admin and um, listen I'm, I'm whinging and moaning about it for two I can only imagine you know you know doing that for 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 10 over the years that's just insane it's a gargantuan task Mm. so when when i look at that i'm with that task i think well there will never be a moment when there isn't other others needs Mm. so how do i find myself in that i can't park them Mm. because i because i love them and that as as you say louise that that idea that when we talk about ourselves that we feel the need to say and i've seen it on on keynote stages i've seen it everywhere in books everywhere in ordinary life daily life you're like oh i love my children Mm. and i love i love this 
Mm. You know, that's mm. not to say that I don't love my children. Like, we mm. have to keep apologising. Yeah. It's as if we're apologising for having ourselves, which is why one of the pillars that I, I, you know, chomp into, if you like, is mm. that the noise says mothers have to be selfless. And, mm. and the key thing, if nothing else, is that selfless is less, less of self. Mm. So you have to keep looking outwards as opposed to in. And actually, we've got all these women wondering why they've lost themselves or can't find themselves or are depressed or juggling when mm. really so many women are looking for what happened to her mm. where's she gone mm. <laughs> where, where did she go under this like as you just said i mean this this sea of laundry and other things to do mm. yeah so that's why you know my life has been about an attempt to not not just about that. I mean, I, of course it isn't. But within mm. all all of this decision to have lots of children, I've had to find ways to remain being Danusha. Actually, yes, mm. yeah. yeah, yeah. Me, not yeah. anything to do with mummy. Mm. Me, who am mm. I? Yeah, and yeah. I, again, going back to that will be different for everybody, won't it? But I, I and I really think those questions at the end of each chapter in the book that is. A really that's a fantastic sort of like toolkit for starting to think about that you know for mm. women who perhaps haven't thought about it and that's yeah I think the book is it's not like any other book on motherhood because it um it's 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 provoking isn't yeah. it P- provoking a chance for you to be able to mm. uh, 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 yeah mm. answer those questions mm. it's really interesting since I sort of became a parent it has made me look a lot at my relationship with my own parents and I know I mean I don't hopefully you're comfortable talking about this Danusha but your experience of being mothered yourself so you were adopted as a baby uh, you, you've you've met your birth mother you obviously credit both of do you, do you call them both mom or do you both do you call them by name no I call them both mum you call them both mum um, and how how do you think that has sort of shaped you as a mother well, I think it's it it's shaped me terrifically. Uh, mm. My my biological mum. Well, I mean, she. I thank her at the end of the book yes. for having the agency yeah. to give me away, mm. and that's and I do I really mean that. I'm enormously grateful to her for doing what is generally unspeakable. Mm. You know, most women don't. Um, mm. oh, of course, there's lots of adoptions, but certainly. It's still it's still something that that is difficult for for women, massively mm-hmm. difficult. And actually, in my in my um, my own, you know, kind of finding out who I was, I um, I went uh, and I met the social worker that handed me over, mm. literally the same woman wow. that handed me from my birth mother to my adopted mother, who I call mum, obviously, mm. as well. Um, and so I met her and she asked me not to read my adoption papers. She actually asked me to not to. And, and I said, no, no, I really want to. And she said, it's not pretty reading. And so one of the reasons that I'm really grateful is because I discovered in my papers, which weren't, they weren't written, as you can imagine, by social workers, thinking that some years later that mm. the law would change, mm. that the child they were writing about yes. would read it. So they were stark. And I'm mm. also very grateful that I had trained as a, <laughs> as a counsellor. Yeah, yeah. and, and coming back mm. to the other point, that I had done such a lot of deep work. Mm. And I read that my mother did not want to take me forward into a new life. And I read that she wanted a blank canvas so that she could move on to a new life. And more to the point, she actually divorced, she actually divorced the man that she subsequently married and I got to know him and he said his name was Michael he's, he's now uh, he died a few years ago and and he said Danusha I would have been your stepdad I was really happy to do that but your mum really wanted mm. to move on I subsequently met her and actually how I met her was I was a presenter on B- the BBC and uh, she was watching a programme and she was reading a book and she looked up and she saw my face. And we talked for about a year by telephone and email. 
Wow, so sorry, she saw you on TV. Did you have the same name that she gave you? No. So she just, wow, she that's incredible. You. No, 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 we're, we're so alike in looks. Wow. It was under, I mean, the very first day we met, which was in Bath Pump Rooms, we had a cream tea and an Earl Grey. Yeah. And uh, the waitress, this is the very first time I'd ever been with my biological mother. And so we were sat down and the waitress came over and these were her words. Who shall I serve first, mum or daughter? Wow. wow. Now, for, for me, that was a, it was just a shivery moment. Like, yeah. oh my gosh. I, I mean, it's so undeniable that of course my mum wrote to the BBC mm-hmm. and that's how we we reconnected. Wow. So I'm really grateful to her mm. because she laid, she, she, she showed the way to, it wasn't unapologetic. It was, you know, she's had, she's had her own very large journey of, of needing to forgive herself. Of course, yeah. And I can't speak for her on that. No. But, but nevertheless, I have deep respect for her, really. And there mm. isn't anger. Because I know that for a lot of, and I mention it, because mm. a lot of people do feel very upset and hurt. And rejected. That's, rejected. It, 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 it abandoned. It a whole life of sort of that <laughs> yes. perpetual re- rejection, doesn't it? Um, yes. I've got a friend who, who, who was adopted and um, it, that behaviour just repeats itself like a pattern in her, her life. And that's, all, you know, again, can't yes. speak for her, that's, that's her mm-hmm. story. But you're right, I guess, going back to how essential it is with talking therapy to unpack this stuff, mm-hmm. realise that actually that was nothing to do with you, Danusha. Yeah, it was it, it, it was nothing to do with you. And, and so, yeah, it's, it's it was very, her. very interesting. Uh, and that allowed me to see her as herself, not a mother. Mm-hmm. She was, uh, you know, her identity was herself. She chose to take herself forward. She subsequently became a mother to my my siblings and who I've met. And, you know, she, she yeah, she, she did become a mother again. Mm-hmm. But she wanted to, she wanted a different life. And, and my, my adopted mother, formidable woman, not an easy adoption, mm. absolutely remarkable woman, uh, Oh, I am so grateful. Mm-hmm. It I'm takes so grateful. a lot of grace on everybody's part there, doesn't it? For, mm-hmm. for, for this to be a, um, I mean, obviously it's many, many years later, but for it, for, for ever, everybody to have acted so graciously, I guess. Well, one of the things I'm going to be doing is I will, I will put down something in a book at some point. I've actually thought about, and I was glad we've, Glad we're talking about creating um, podcasts from funny things. Yeah. I'm actually thinking of doing a memoir podcast. Yeah. God, you know, should. Yeah. I, I, I haven't found anybody that's doing that. So if anyone does know, I'd love to know. Mm. But I'm thinking of doing that. And because there's so many issues that spiral off from this mm. in all directions. Yeah, it's... it's mm. Really, yeah. really, really interesting. And actually just thinking about what you are saying before, there's so many people who do not put their child up for adoption but are so in the mindset that your mother probably was which is I can't do this I I, I, like Mm. but you you carry on going and probably damage it's so much more damaging Mm. to sort of stay and do it through gritted teeth almost Mm. or or, you know do you know what Mm. I mean I'm thinking Mm. of so many examples where people who who are like um you know this thing they just try and work it make it work even you know the relationship they're in just dissolves and and obviously then yeah it, it's it's you're right it was it was looking at it at your mother as a woman mm-hmm. in her own right it, it's it's it was a very sort of brave thing to do in a way it it is and and actually going back to your point about partnerships and walking away from marriage or or a, a long-term relationship it it's it's an, an incredibly tough decision isn't it mm. because we are fed a story of uh, um, well, you'll fail. This is a failure if you've walked away from something. You, you've somehow fucked up, right? Well, you fucked up because you because this is the pinnacle of you know mm. you meet somebody and you stay with them, then you get old with them, and then one of you buries the other, and that's mm. it, and then you die. And and actually, um, there's a version of vibrant living that yeah. that m- may be a different way. That also, what do we want to teach our children? And I was, I'm. 
you know, one, I'm myself, we've established that, you know, read the letter. That was the hardest thing for me to put in the book. Mm. The actual letter that I wrote to my children yeah. was the one thing that made me go, huh. Mm. Now, do I put that one in? Because it, it's unedited. It is exactly what right. I wrote. Yeah. Um, and I was like, mm. and I thought, no, I, I'm doing it because actually it's the truth. So... I want my children to know that staying and being deeply unhappy for your children mm. is not a good message. Yeah. Uh, actually, my adopted mother uh, told me that she was terribly unhappy and told me that she would leave as soon as I was 16. And that is exactly what she did. Mm. And I spent my whole life knowing that my poor mother was uh, felt trapped by a decision that she'd made. Mm and that that she could only she felt she had to wait for her life to start what a message to mm, our children yeah. i'm going to wait for you to get older so that i can start living my life oh my goodness i That's felt terrible isn't it I, what a burden a lot to bear yeah mm. yeah so i had one that left one that stayed and actually I, I learned so much about yeah, of yeah. versions of motherhood oh, and yeah. versions of womanhood, and uh, and you know, and I began very young. Mm. Um, I repeated what my mother did, mm. except I didn't adopt the child. I didn't have mm. the child adopted. She was seventeen when she had me. Right. I was seventeen. Seventeen when you had your yeah. first. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, and just to just to close the loop, my eldest child was not seventeen mm. and had a child. Mm. So, you yeah. know, generationally it, ha it has not continued, mm. um, which, you know, we know that generationally things do. You mentioned it earlier, I think, mm. Amy. And, and so it's, you know, it, these things, these things do repeat mm. unless we, we intentionally stop them. We and we have to do work on ourselves, don't we? Absolutely. Wow. Yeah. And that's, yeah, as I said, I think you are providing, you know, with your book that... That stepping stone to start thinking about doing that that mm. work on yourself, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. Can you tell us a bit um, about your next book, which is a companion to this one called Spunk: A Manifesto Modernizing Fatherhood, which I'm very <laughs> I love that. Title. I'm, I'm excited about it already, <laughs> <laughs> and I love the title. <laughs> you know, I haven't really got used to saying it in public. <laughs> Come on, Spunk, 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 say it. <laughs> Let's just all say it. <laughs> well, yes. Well, yeah. So Spunk mm. comes out in November. <laughs> oh, <dear. laughs> oh God! This is then you're going to have so many. The, the so, promo is going to be so much it's fun. Be for this. Great. Yeah. You're just going to have a guy wanking into, and then it just becomes your book. I think that would be great. Yes. Oh, well done. Animators. That's so good. Get like, yes. an animator on that right now. Oh, I love that idea. Thank you so much. I will I will definitely be acknowledging you for that. Yeah, make sure you do. Yes, exactly. So, so, yeah, so it is the companion book. It's um, because we can't really talk about motherhood, can we, without talking about fatherhood. And naturally i mean i've you know i i know it's actually one of it's actually one of the questions that is has been apart from have they all come from your stomach i say mm. uh yes <laughs> what and then you can hear in the cogs in the back of the mind wow her vagina must be big. <laughs> um, you know it's like <laughs> all sorts of questions like and then is it all the same man and I'm and I've talked to my children about this because they get the same questions, apart from the mm. vagina one with their mother. Mm. But but they do get they do get the same questions, which is you know obviously, oh they must oh it must be like the Waltons because people are wanting some romanticized romantic. View, they? Yeah. they do that's what they want, and so the children tell me that it often happens in cabs when when we were in cabs, and uh, my children tell me I just lie. I just lie. I just say what they want. I'm like, oh, good on you. You just yeah. do what you need to do. What you need, yeah. You yeah, need. Absolutely. But increasingly, I'm told, I, I'm asked about, well, how many men? I'm like, well, what would you like me to say? How many men do you imagine? Well, the triplets have clearly got five fathers. I mean, just, just come on. What is this about? It's actually, it's amusing, but it's not. Mm. And, it, and mostly it's amusing, to be honest. 
and 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 for the record, it's it's not many men. I mean, mm. oh, actually, where I'm left with it, it's not enough. <laughs> <laughs> I have not been wicked enough. <laughs> you know, it's it's actually very dull. Mm. Yeah. So so I do know a thing or two about fatherhood, and and obviously I've been, uh, and also I'm not a father. <laughs> That's mm. clear, and. If we're if we're going to talk about motherhood and and adjust the adjust how we think about motherhood, then surely we have to think about fatherhood. And there's a lot of work about you know men wanting to be more involved, men men not wanting to be involved, mm. men being absent. Mm. And of course, for I think since October 2019, I've you know I've been hosting the School for Fathers podcast, and and speak to men all the time. And, and well, he actually listened to them mostly. Yeah. And, and I think it hit me during the writing, the closing writing. I hadn't really, I hadn't, I hadn't actually thought, oh, in the same year, I'll have another book out. <laughs> mm. But it, I, I'm, I know that it's incredibly important because we have, oh, I, I know that we have what I call the father stunter culture. Mm. And it is it it's really stunts men's ability to be the father that they could be. And it isn't individual men necessarily that are wanting to to not be a father. It's the culture that we've got. So culturally, men would actually have to go against many cultural kind of imperatives, yeah. many cultural pieces that would actually kind of well it would expose them from a masculine perspective from what we see as masculine and so I wanted to delve into that and so this time I've been conducting research I'm you know I'm obviously talking to as many men as possible and that's what the book will be so it's it's very similar it'll be the same I mean the I love the color cover the covers that's all done mm. it's you know the book's well on its way it's it's yeah it's, when's it coming then do you know yet um, november the 12th november oh yeah you did say yes yeah. month will be out in november yeah yeah carry on sorry sorry, sorry. i was just going to say that um we were talking about our relationships with our mothers and how that kind of informs us but obviously you, you're talking about sort of generations mm. of men and how that has changed i mean if if the yes. if the sort of perception of motherhood has changed a lot in the last sort of say let's say 50 years e even the perception of, of fatherhood has changed so so much as well hasn't it so that will be that will be definitely one to watch and mm. uh, we'd love to speak to you about that when it comes out yeah. thank you and, yeah. it, and, and it has changed it's drastically changed it's radically changed and it's also deeply entrenched yeah deeply oh, entrenched uh, you know mm. where men men are men are fathers are given almost you know trophies if they're involved i know yeah yeah, yeah so it's, they, such, they, it's such a fucking low baseline <laughs> isn't it but, to get brownie points but also i think it's as as mothers we you know when I'm teaching antenatal classes, when I do like the baby care section and becoming a parent, you know, any topics around that, there is a there's an element of mothers always sort of slightly sort of smirking at men, you know, asking if, the questions. Yeah. Yes, and, yeah. Uh, you know, and, you know, we do a you know practical baby care session with changing nappies and things which i actually think is pointless because it's not the same doing it with a doll but they like it you know they like to do it i yeah. think it's a confidence thing um and i always try and do it in completely separate sessions single sex sessions because the women will laugh at the men and they are ridiculed for do you know what i mean mm, it's almost like that's and that maternal gatekeeping thing comes in where well only i can do it um e even with the doll <laughs> yeah even with the doll <laughs> So yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, very, very needed. That yeah, that book, mm. that book will be yeah. Well, we, we've we've deep we've got this so deeply embedded that mm. as much as women want to have you know the ability to work and and have for the most part the ability to work etc. But actually, we do gatekeep the domain, the domestic domain, and children. And so part of why the noise of having mothers be responsible for children you know pretty well I mean our legal system I mean pretty well everything actually fathers can't get to their children in many ways 
although <laughs> you know actually they could so it's it's a very very complex very situation complex, yeah. and i and i'm you know i'm unpacking that mm. yes very much so so it, and it'll be unusual because a lot of fatherhood books and indeed podcasts are you know they're driven they're led by men so it's one of the things that we see motherhood is spoken about by women Mm. fatherhood by men and there's not a lot crossing between and that's what I wanted to do Um, I want conversation you know I want this to I want to kind of it's all part of this de-genderizing stuff isn't Mm. it it's it's this kind of you know it isn't to make it parenthood because let's be honest it's not the same Mm. mothers Mm. don't experience raising children the way that fathers do mm. we don't we don't you know because of all this noise so yes i i yeah. i i'm i'm on to i'm already in my head on to animators Amy. yeah <laughs> it's been great to talk to you and yeah, i'm sure so i'm sure everybody listening will be it'll have hopefully will have um you know, I love the idea of someone driving along, listening to this in a podcast and it just, you know, bringing up lots of things, interesting yeah. things for, for them, you know, and we'll put all the links. Yeah, um, thank you. To everything. To really the show notes. No, it's been a thank blast. Thank you so much. And hopefully you'll get you on again in, in November. Let's talk you're... spunk. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a podcast from producer paul.co.uk. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.